0: From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, I find myself in a way where I was on uh, about September 15th or 16th of 2000, way back in 2001. That is to say, down under. Now in a, a time when the whole world seems upside down. Maybe it's appropriate for me to be down under. But I mean literally. I'm in Australia. Sydney, Australia to be exact. Um, in September of 2001, I was in Melbourne. So I've evened it out. Like the Olympics. Made both cities. It was um, September of 2001, you may remember, when nine eleven happened. At that point... Australia's second-largest airline had just gone bankrupt after having been under the tender attentions of a certain Mr. Rupert Murdoch, and the United States had imposed a, uh, a ban on all flights into the country or around the country or around the world. So I was stuck here in Australia for about two and a half weeks and let me tell you, aside from having as one of my few entertainment options the ability to go see Baz Luhrmann's Moulin Rouge in a actual theater, it, it, it wasn't so bad being trapped in Melbourne, Australia. Then is now a very livable city, a very, hence, nicely trappable city. Now I'm in Sydney. Recording this by the, by, the, by the way, that time in Melbourne. That week's Le show originated live at three in the morning. Uh, and I had two friends, both of whom are part of the uh, fabulous creative collaborative down here called Working Dog, responsible for among other, other th- responsible for among other things, a a quite lovely comedy about the. Uh, moon landing called The Dish, which I highly recommend. Now I'm in uh, Sydney, as I say. It's a more appropriate time of the day when this program is being recorded. And as then, I'm awaiting return to the United States. Right now, it seems to be possible. We'll test that hypothesis on Monday. And perhaps I'll be speaking to you from self-isolation in the United States next week. But meantime, from Sydney, Australia, hello, welcome to the show. Down under in Sydney, Australia, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this very special edition of the show—a um, anxiety-reducing edition of the show. Not a lot of talk about uh, the you know what that's everywhere else because it's everywhere else. So we'll be focusing on other stuff like.
1: Very
0: smart house news of smart houses. Well, if you were lucky enough to have bought the first generation Philips Hue Bridge, Hue is in color, you know, if you were an early adopter of uh, any Internet of Things stuff relating to light bulbs, it was released way back in 2012. Well, that uh, system is going to lose access to the online services on April 30th, not because of any virus. No, just because of the way this thing works. Signify, the company that used to be known as Philips Lighting, but they changed the name, you know, to hide, uh, has also mentioned in a tweet that Bridge version 1 won't be getting any more software updates after that day. So, in other words, Signify will no longer support the device by May, even though you can still control the Bridge locally via its dedicated app. The bridge is the hub, if you follow me there. After April, no software updates will be made available for the bridge. Compatibility with our online services will be terminated at that time, said the uh, tweet from Philips. I'm sorry, from whatever they're calling it now. While the more recent versions of the bridge are square, the oldest version is a round-shaped device that served as the central controller for the smart lights. New Hue lights don't need a bridge anymore, but you still have to have one if you want to pair them with additional accessories or to access their more advanced features. So I guess you do. The first generation Hue Bridge's retirement doesn't come as a surprise. Signify stopped releasing feature updates for the device in April of last year. It even announced back then it will completely stop rolling out software updates updates, and will terminate online services for the bridge this April, besides all smart gadgets, this is from NGadget, all smart gadgets will eventually be put out to pasture. That's just the nature of Internet-connected devices. You have been warned. And yet another warning, a preponderance of weak keys is leaving Internet of Things Devices at risk of being hacked, and the problem won't be an easy one to solve. That conclusion reached by the team at Security House Key Factor, reported in the Register website. Key Factor analyzed a collection of 75 million certificates gathered from the open Internet and determined that number combinations were being repeated at a far greater rate than they should, meaning encrypted connections could possibly be broken by attackers who correctly guess a key. Comparing the millions of keys on an Azure cloud uh, instance, the team found common factors were used to generate keys at a rate of 1 in 172. By comparison, the team analyzed 100 million certificates collected from the logs on desktops where they found common factors in just five certificates or a rate of 1 in 20 million as opposed to 1 in 172. The team believes the reason for this poor entropy, remember that term? Its back is down to Internet Things devices. The embedded gear in them is often based on very low power hardware, and the devices are unable to properly generate random numbers. The result is the keys so that could be easier for an attacker to break, leaving the device and all of its users vulnerable. We conclude, said the researchers, that device manufacturers must ensure the devices have access to sufficient entropy and adhere to best practices in cryptography to protect customers, If vendors don't step up and address the issue, says the register, there's a good chance that criminal hackers will. The team says its experiments showed this sort of attack could be pulled off without much in the way of an upfront investment. So there's a measure of equality, at least for hackers. Smart houses, ladies and gentlemen, they are so very smart. And now, it's time for me to read the trades for you. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast from advertising age today KFC suspends UK finger licking good campaign after coronavirus related complaints. Oh, you can just bet I'm going to read this for you. KFC has suspended a U.K. advertising campaign that focuses on finger licking. That's that's happened after the Advertising Standards Authority of the U.K. received multiple complaints that the content was inappropriate during the coronavirus outbreak. The campaign, created by an ad agency called Mother London, capitalized on the brand's long-running finger licking good tagline. It features a TV spot that turns post-chicken finger-licking into a sensual experience by setting it to piano music by Chopin. Why Chopin? Royalty-free. It also included billboards with the words, It's and good positioned around the mouths of people licking their fingers. A content series focusing on finger-licking etiquette was also planned spokesperson for KFC said quote it doesn't feel like the right time to be airing this campaign so we've decided to pause it for now but we're really proud of it and look forward to bringing it back at a later date an advertising standards agency spokesperson told Ad age it had received 163 complaints about the campaign so far saying KFC had already taken the decision to withdraw the ad before we'd informed them of the complaints. On that basis, we won't be taking any further action. Unquote. The campaign launched in late February before the UK government started emphasizing the importance of hand hygiene. At the time, the marketing manager of KFC UK and Ireland said the campaign was intended to reignite the meaning back into the phrase we all knew and grew up with. The suspension of the KFC work is the latest in a series of unfortunately timed campaigns that advertisers have hurriedly pulled, including a Coors Light beer campaign based around being, quote, the official beer of working remotely, and Hershey ads that centered on hugs and handshakes. Real life catches up with advertising. It doesn't always happen. But you learn about it because I read the trades for you. Copyrighted feature. And now we continue to skirt the obvious with the apologies of the week.
2: We're so sorry.
0: A politically tinged apology begins our romp through sorry land today. A recently appointed senior advisor for Bernie Sanders has apologized for tweets he sent more than a decade ago in which he called former First Lady Michelle Obama, quote, ugly, unquote. Civil rights activist Philip Agnew, who announced he is joining Sanders' campaign. Well, he joined it this week. Said, quote, I am not my tweets from 2009. Unquote. After his old posts emerged following his appointment, in one tweet from October 2009, Agnew wrote, random thought while standing on gas station. That's that's his verbiage. Michelle Obama is an odd-looking woman. I'd call her ugly, but I don't want the backlash. Unquote. In another post two months later, Agnew added, quote, Michelle Obama is just not pretty. I've tried to look at her from every angle possible. Unquote. Social media users noted that Agnew also tweeted, a conspiracy theory in May 2011 expressing doubt that the U.S. actually killed Osama bin Laden. In a statement addressing the stupid tweets about Michelle Obama he wrote when he was 23 years old, Agnew said, quote, I am sorry for the remarks that I made. I typed them as a young, immature, and insecure boy who thought he was forever invisible and invincible. My comments were shallow, careless, sexist, and cruel, unquote goes on to discuss issues of black boys and black men expressing masculinity with quote utter disdain and reckless abandon unquote towards women quote and more dark-skinned black women especially there's no excuse for it he said while my past tweets were decidedly not about blackness nor complexion nor black women i took part in a misogynist culture that ignorantly objectified it objectifies black women as a whole and I take full responsibility for my words and actions. Thank you for h- holding me accountable. Unquote. And he spells black women, W-O-M-X-N. I don't think that scans in the song quite the same way, but we'll see about that. Dateline Oklahoma City, a college president, has apologized after a recruiter told students at an Oklahoma City high school to line up by their skin color and hair texture. At an open, open campus meeting, Oklahoma Christian University President John DeStiger called recruiter Cedric Sunray's actions at Harding Charter Prep, quote, offensive, harmful, and inappropriate, unquote. One of the students said during the assembly last month, Sunray barely talked about the school itself. He says Sunray ranked students based on whose hair was the most nappy. Another student said he told us to line up nappiest hair in the back, straightest hair in the front. Steger says the university parted with Sunray within an hour of the incident. Sunray, who is white, wrote in a lengthy statement published in the Christian Chronicle that if motives behind the exercise were not racist, quote, nothing I spoke at Harvard Charter Prep during an initial icebreaker session had any intention of promoting a racist agenda. My presentations are the opposite; they're intended to take a hard look at issues such as this. Unquote. Here's a a coronapology. The leader of a minor South Korean Christian sect linked to more than half of that country's coronavirus cases apologized to the public this week for the spread of the virus. It has sickened more than 4,300 people in South Korea and killed at least 26. The head of the Shincheonji Church of Jesus, the single largest cluster of infections in South Korea with over 2,100 cases, made his first public appearance since the outbreak. Quote, I would like to offer my sincere apology to the people on behalf of our members. Lee Manhee, founder of the church, said at a press briefing, the 88-year-old leader bowed on his knees twice, not bad for 88, and pledged full support to cooperate with the government in combating the spread of the virus. According to the tally... By regions, 80% of the new COVID-19 cases were reported in Daegu and 68 in North Gyeongsang provinces. And that's uh, where the uh, church has most of its members. The pace of new cases shows no signs of slowing. The government tested more than 210,000 members of the church. Why, that's a lot more than American citizens tested so far. About 46% of the church's members have been tested so far. The government is continuing Concentrating containment efforts on those followers Because they were more likely to test positive Compared with those With no ties To the sect Dateline Jakarta Dutch King Willem Alexander Has offered an apology over quote, Excessive violence Suffered by Indonesians during the early years Of Indonesian independence Acknowledging the period as quote, A painful separation Ouch Unquote. statement was conveyed by the king after he and Queen Maxima, yes, it's a Nissan, but it also was a queen, were hosted by President Joko Widodo of Indonesia in an official ceremony in West Java this week. Quote, in line with earlier statements by my government, I would like to express my regret and apologies for the excessive violence on the part of the Dutch in those years, he said, and I do so in the full realization that the pain and sorrow of the families affected continue to be felt today. The Dutch government had already apologized several times for its colonial troops' war crimes conducted before the Dutch recognized Indonesia's sovereignty, four years after Indonesia declared it. Here's an apology related to smart houses. From Google, on Monday, February 24th, an update to our servers caused a connectivity issue that prevented Nest cameras from recording and streaming live video for about five hours. All camera services are now running smoothly. Video history was not captured during the outage. We know that our cameras are an important part of keeping your home and property safe, and we're carefully looking across our systems to prevent this from happening again. Providing a trusted and secure infrastructure for your home is a responsibility we take very seriously. This is Google's apology continuing. As a Nest Aware subscriber, we understand you rely on our cameras and services. We'll be issuing a $5 refund to the card associated with your account to thank you for being a loyal customer. No need to contact customer support. You'll automatically receive an email once the refund has been processed. We're committed to building products that deliver helpful solutions for your home. We apologize for not meeting that expectation this week. A Canadian oil company has apologized, promising it has made organizational changes after a sexually explicit sticker about Greta Thunberg featuring the company's logo was allegedly distributed by employees. Alberta oil field company X-Site Energy Services had originally denied any involvement in the sticker mocking the teenage climate change activist after its existence made international news. I didn't hear about it, did you? I guess we're not in the international news. Thing. The company now says management has accepted responsibility for the decal being distributed. The offending sticker features a naked female shown from behind having her braided pigtails pulled. The name Greta is written across the woman's lower back with X Sites logo appearing at the bottom. The sticker was allegedly passed around by workers of the company to wear on their hard hats, and then the image was shared on social media, causing widespread condemnation of the company from locals and Canadian politicians. Quote, we recognize it is not enough to apologize for the image associated with our company logo on the decals, X-Site said in a statement. This does not reflect the values of this company or our employees. We deeply regret the pain we may have caused. The company added it is in the process of attempting to recover and destroy all of the existing decals and all decals everywhere. Management accepts full responsibility and effective immediately has made organizational changes to reflect this, unquote. Excite said the other offending stickers are also now being made with its company logo, which it once again denies having involvement with. We have let our employees, our families, and our customers down with this careless action. We're committed to learn from and correct our mistake. We will do better. Meanwhile, an Argentine tattoo artist who created the original design of the woman, which was altered to include the name Greta, said he's planning on suing the oil company, not only for having taken my work without my consent, but to give it such a deplorable use, unquote, the artist. Some 20 iwi kupuna, those are historic bones, what are they actually? Yeah, ancestral bones, that were housed at Cambridge University have returned home to Hawaii. O H A. Hawaii organization and a group of cultural practitioners went to pick up the collection of 20 skulls in England. According to Hawaii News Now, they've been housed at the university, the skulls, not the pr- cultural practitioners, for over a century. The remains arrived in Honolulu Sunday night and it came, they did, with a surprising apology. Quote, To your kapuna, I say that I'm sorry your voyage home has been so long interrupted, but I hope you may now travel back in peace, said Stephen Toop vice-chancellor of Cambridge University. The uh, Office of Hawaiian Affairs, that's OHA, said the skulls were taken without consent, without notification, without discussion. The majority of them were taken during the time of the kingdom. Hawaii was a kingdom and a queendom before it became a state. In 1990, the state asked the university if it had any iwi kapuna. Initially, the university said, nope. And finally, Deadline Charlotte, North Carolina, Bojangles apologized this week for one of its restaurants locking out supporters of President Trump after his appearance at a large rally in Charlotte. That was last week. The Bojangles restaurant location is just a 10-minute walk from the Bojangles Coliseum, where Trump spoke to more than 10,000 people. Hey, it's a sellout. Easy when you don't charge for tickets. The venue was full with attendees without seats, watching on a big screen in the parking lot. Bojangles is based in Charlotte. Now some Trump supporters are threatening to boycott the chicken restaurant chain. The head of the chain's communications told the Charlotte Observer the restaurant was likely overwhelmed with customers following the event. Still, he apologized. He did not confirm whether the people locked out of the restaurant were given any any explanation. We apologize for anyone who felt they were treated in a way that was disrespectful. Head of communications Brian Little said, This is not in line with who we are as a business. We serve everyone who wants to purchase one of our items. And maybe a few who don't. No, he didn't. Monday night's lockout came to light after a Charlotte man who attended the rally posted on Facebook how he and other Trump supporters were refused entry to the restaurant. Bojangles locked the doors to the rally last night and denied service. Michael Furick posted, Ironic because the rally was at Bojangles Arena. He included a couple pictures with his post, including one of a worker in the store putting his hand in a stop gesture towards those outside. The mood was somewhat tense. Furrick acknowledged the employee was gesturing back to him because he, Furrick, had raised his middle finger after being locked out. Little said he could not confirm what workers said in the heat of the moment to the large contingent of Trump supporters who went to the restaurant. He said the young shift manager on duty was wrong to lock the doors. Despite feeling overwhelmed by the large sudden crowd, the manager overreacted. He said he didn't know what to do. He just closed the restaurant. Later, the shift manager called his manager, who showed up and unlocked the doors, allowing everyone to purchase food. Or whatever is closest to food at Bojangles. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast.
3: I knew a man, Bojangles, and he danced for you In worn-out shoes With silver hair, a ragged shirt, and baggy pants The old soft shoes. He jumped so high Then he lightly touched me down I met him in a cell in New Orleans I was down As he spoke right out He talked of life, talked of life He laughed and slapped his leg Mr. Bojangles Mr. Bojangles Dan He said his name Bojangles oh, Then he danced the lick He Grabbed his pants, a better stance Oh, how he jumped up high He clicked his heels. He let go alive Let go alive He stood up and shook back his clothes all around at minstrel shows and county fairs, throughout the South, he spoke with the tears of 15 years how his dog and he After 20 years he still agreed Mr. Bojangas Mr. Bojangas Mr. Bo- He said, I dance now at every chance and honky tones For drinks and tears But most of the time I spend behind these county bars He said, I'll drink so beer He shook his head As he shook his head, I heard someone respectfully ask.
0: From Sydney, Australia, this is Le Show. and ladies and gentlemen, it's been a tumultuous week in Washington as well as in the rest of the country. President Trump said he was never going to take a uh, test to determine whether he had coronavirus, whether he, the virus had attacked him, or whether he was uh, housing the virus in his bod, and then, of course, changed his mind and did take a test because he said the Media were jumping all over him because of it and was reported to be negative, uh, tested negative, that is to say. A um, couple of uh, public appearances. One, a speech which uh, was read off the teleprompter and which prefaced a tumultuous drop, a precipitous drop in the stock market, and then a press conference late Friday afternoon which uh, presaged. A an equally impressive rebound of the stock market um, as Trump announced travel bans on uh, Europe, excluding Britain and uh, Ireland, which apparently now are going to be included. So maybe the stock market will go up some more. The Washington Post jumped all over Trump with a report of uh, intense tension inside the White House, uh, before and after Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, arrived to uh, take control of the coronavirus response, even though Trump had uh, previously assigned that task to Vice President Mike Pence. And uh, the, the public appearances by the president and the vice president are, as you may have noticed if you're still watching television, are accompanied by the presence on the podium of many government officials, including, but not limited to, Dr. Anthony Fauci from the uh, National Institutes of Health. Despite uh, statements by the President, (laughs) President Trump, I say, going back a few weeks, there are still relatively few testing kits available in the United States, unlike uh, many other countries like South Korea, for example, Uh, and fingers are being pointed. Uh, Apparently, problems emerged with the original test developed by the Centers for Disease Control. The World Health Organization developed its own test, and for reasons yet unknown, the United States declined to use that test. So um, doctors are reporting having to jump through Olympic-sized hoops in order to get their patients tested. But, you know, in a bigger sense... Right now, we're all being tested, aren't we? This week, for the first time, the U.S. may be catching the China Syndrome. And
2: for the businessman turned chief executive, family may be the best medicine. Jared. Yes, sir. Fantastic job, sir. At what? At everything, sir. Good. That's what I thought. Listen, Jared, first off... I want to thank you for jetting in and saving the crap out of our coronavirus response thing. Without you, we might not be winning quite as big now.
0: Sir, the only pleasure I have greater than getting tender with your daughter is serving your administration in whatever way possible. Preferably, of course, in every way, because... Okay.
2: No, because necessary. I got a question for you, and answering it might be your first task this week. Well,
0: I was prioritizing getting the testing thing untangled. That
2: too. But first this. Nickname for Dr. Fauci. Grouchy Fauci, which seems to work great with his negative attitude, like who pointed him judge of all health stuff. Or Slouchy Fauci, which rhymes, but he he stands kind of straight, so... Sir, uh,
0: I'm going to need your approval to knock a few heads together on this testing thing. I know you've said people can get tested, so I know that's something that's sort of important to you, and and, and what's important to you... Is
2: important to you. Jared... Mm -hmm. I've heard that rap from you ever since. You explained why Ivanka had to go to that special bath. But this guy is standing up at all my briefings, on camera, plain as the day on your face, and not doing the one thing he's really, really supposed to do.
0: Praising you, sir, that shouldn't be so hard. I can do it in my sleep now.
2: Yeah, Ivanka tells me. You do it loud, too. No, this guy is standing up there. Pence is nodding. The other guys are nodding. Fauci never nods. What gives with that? So, I think Grouchy Fauci. Well, I don't want to go overboard. What's wrong with overboard? But it's genius, sir. It'll catch on like wildfire. Wildfire Fauci? Nah, I like Grouchy better. So look, your real task for this week... Yes, sir. Let's get this testing thing untangled once and forever, right? Great idea, sir. I mean, I don't know what the problem is. Obama's regulations, supply lines. Obviously, it's somebody else's fault, right? But now, whatever it is, it needs to be cleaned up, believe me. Couldn't agree more, sir. Can I announce it tonight? The markets need a Monday morning kick in the pants. You can announce whatever you like, sir. Thanks, Jared. I always do.
0: I find something new in him to admire almost every day this was one of those other days dr
2: fauci yes sir can i call you tony Why, i suppose so why not your first time in the boardroom right well of course i've been in the oval many times but but first time in the boardroom we had built behind the oval right <laughs> yes sir it, uh, it it looks like the real one You mean the one on TV? (laughs) I guess that's what I mean, sir. That was fake. TV is all fake. Believe me. I should know. (laughs) Sir, I know it's uh, water under the bridge, but uh, dismantling the epidemic office at the National Security Council was i I've looked into that. John Bolton was National Security Advisor at that time. That's all on him. Of course, that won't be in his fake book. (laughs) You know, I didn't want to hire him in the first place. Who in his right mind would walk around wearing that stupid thing on his upper lip? Crazy, right? I mean, I don't know. You're the doctor. Maybe he's uh, covering up some hideous sores or something. Anyway, Tony, I can tell you this. Mm. You never worry about the water under the bridge. It's the water over the bridge that can really screw you up. Yes, sir. Well, if uh, that's all you wanted to... Sit down, Tony. (coughs) I'm getting a kind of vibe from you, like you're not happy being on this team. Well, sir, we're in the middle of what you yourself called an emergency. Ah, uh, they wrote that for me. I... So my happiness is not an issue right now. I'm here because I feel it's my duty to be here at a time when people are looking to the government for useful and, and truthful information. Well, maybe you shouldn't be talking with a voice that sounds like razor blades on an electric guitar, right? <laughs> What's the problem, Tony? Uh, Well, sir, I'm just spending a huge amount of time talking to the journalists who... Who keep asking nasty questions just to prop up their failing ratings? Save your cords, Tony. It's an ugly sound you're making. Look, you're worried about messaging, right? (laughs) Well, I I, I don't know who told you that I'm worried exactly. Jared, he described you as grouchy, which I don't know if it's true. Sir, sir, I'm part of the team. Any task you... Okay, got it. Tony, you want to stay on the team, right? I mean, you're great and everything, but I'm i am sure there are other Tony Fauci's out there. Well, there are three in my own family, sir. My Uncle Gregory... Great, great. Show a little of that sense of humor in your next job. Your task here is a simple messaging thing. Yes, sir. I'll take something from my throat. Forget your throat. People don't listen, they watch. They see you standing on the podium looking like the schmuck kid who been kept after school your tash this week is when you're up there nod nod like you've never nodded before Tony the message is I'm nodding can you do it I'm waiting oh I'm nodding New team, new tasks, same mission. We're going to make catching up great again. Now, the world is his boardroom. The President This week, you can't self-isolate without it.
0: And now, news of the Olympic movement. Produced by Jim Ebersole III. The president of the Tokyo Olympic Organizing Committee said this week he's received an apology from an executive board member who said the 2020 Games should be delayed a year or two because of the, you know what, Yoshiro Mori called a quick news conference at committee headquarters to shoot down the comments. Quote, there is no plan now to change our plans. Unquote, he said, speaking in Japanese, where it probably makes more sense. He referred to comments from Haruyuki Takahashi, reported in the Wall Street Journal. I have spoken to Mr. Takahashi and he has apologized, Mori said. He certainly said an outlandish thing. Takahashi is not involved in the day-to-day running of the organizing committee, which is directed by Mori. Any option other than opening on schedule, if the virus allows that, is fraught with problems. Delaying a year or two, as Takahashi suggested, would see the Olympics clash with events already set on the crowded world sports calendar, including the Winter Olympics and Soccer's World Cup in Qatar the same year. It also raises questions about the more than 3,000 apartments being built for the Athletes' Village. Those units are to be sold up by realtors after the 2020 Olympics and should go for high-end prices. The Associated Press reports an Irish book, bookmaker is showing odds leaning slightly towards the Olympics not going forward. Odds are 4 to 6. It will not open on July 24th in, Yo- in Tokyo and even that it will. Tokyo is officially spending $12.6 billion to organize the Olympics, although a national government audit office says it's at least twice that much. $5.6 billion is private money. The rest comes from Japanese taxpayers. About $1 billion in the local operating budget will come from ticket sales, which of course would be lost if the games go ahead without fans in empty stadiums. Andrew Zimbalist, who teaches economics at Smith College, said some of the venues, such as the $1.43 billion national stadium, would have, quote, enduring value, unquote, but virtually none of it, he says, would have made the list of priority public investments. He added, if the games were canceled, much of that investment would be, quote, wasted. The fate of the Tokyo Olympics is expected to be decided within the next three months. Amid fears, according to IOC member Dick Pound, you just don't postpone something on the size and the scale. of the Olympics, said Pound, if the Olympics couldn't take place in Tokyo this summer, he says cancellation would be more likely than moving to another city or postponement. The torch has been lit in a ceremony at Greece where a crowd was not allowed to attend. As the Olympics draw closer, Thomas Bach of the IOC says the organizers have taken excellent preparations. Our Japanese friends, he says, are interpreting the noble mission of the Olympic Games in an outstanding way. Unquote. So, it's a noble mission. But more than that, it's a movement, and we all need one. Every day! And now news of the godly. A fallen Alabama evangelist, Acton Bowen, he's 39, already faces a thousand plus years for more than two dozen sex crimes in Etowah county alabama he has now entered guilty pleas to additional charges in jefferson county between oh sorry bowen pleaded guilty to traveling to meet a child for sexual purposes second degree sodomy enticing a child for immoral purposes and second degree sexual abuse he was sentenced to 20 years on the first two charges 10 years on the third and a year on the fourth all to run concurrently Last December, Bowen entered guilty pleas to 28 counts of sexual abuse involving six male victims ages 13 to 16. He was sentenced to 1,008 years. His trial on the new cases had been scheduled to begin next month and was not postponed because of the virus. Court records in the Jefferson County case say Bowen engaged in deviant sexual intercourse with a teen boy and also enticed him into getting into a 2010 Jeep Wrangler for the purpose of sodomy, which is, as far as I know, not covered by the warranty. And now.
3: Let me tell you about the
0: Baby bumblebees, oh, they're so cute when they sting. Uh, baby bumblebees exposed to pesticides may never develop the navigation skills needed to forage for food. Scientists have now found, according to the British newspaper The Telegraph, a new study shows that when pesticides are brought back to a nest by older members of the colony, they cause irreversible brain damage to the young. Just like TV, experts at Imperial College London used miniature CT scanning technology at the Natural History Museum to examine the effects of pesticides on bees at 3 and 12 days after they emerged from their pupae. The scans showed significant damage to the development of the part of the brain that governs learning. I said, governs learning. Scientists believe this harms the insect's ability to identify and collect pollen and nectar, partly accounting for the steep... Bee population declines of recent years, as in populations have suffered declines of up to 90%. Up to now, most studies have examined the effect of pesticides on adult bees, overlooking the future workforce. The leader of the researchers said bee colonies act as superorganisms, much like William Morris Endeavour. So, when any toxins enter the colony, These have the potential to cause problems with the development of the baby bees within it. He continued worryingly in this case when young bees are fed on pesticide contaminated food. This causes parts of the brain to grow less, leading to older adult bees possessing smaller and functionally impaired brains, an effect that appeared to be permanent and irreversible. So next time you see a baby bumblebee stumbling around, you know why. Now... News of America's longest war, that, that little thing in Afghanistan. Just a few minutes and a thin wall apart, two people took the oath of office to assume the presidency of Afghanistan following a recent and highly contested election. President Ashraf Khani and his chief rival, Abdullah Abdullah, rival rival, took the oath of office simultaneously as president of Afghanistan plunging the fragile country into a new crisis during sensitive peace talks, this the New York Times reports. Both men were delivering their speeches broadcast on split screens across the country. A barrage of rockets landed in the capital near the site of the celebrations and the ceremonies. Sirens blared in the diplomatic area near the presidential palace. Ghani's inauguration was briefly interrupted with some of the audience running for cover. He refused to leave the stage and urged calm. I am not wearing an armored vest, he said. We have seen big attacks. A couple explosions shouldn't scare us. The city had remained under lockdown for much of the beginning of the week as efforts by U.S. diplomats failed to prevent a split government after that month's long election dispute. Ghani, who was declared the winner of a bitterly disputed vote, announced he was going ahead with his inauguration. Abdullah, who accused Ghani of winning unfairly through fraud, the best way of winning unfairly, had said he would hold a simultaneous swearing-in next door. Abdullah was the chief executive of the coalition government brokered by you and me in the United States when a previous election in 2014 also ended in a messy stalemate. Hey, we're teaching them the democracy the American way, aren't we? Out of four total presidential elections in Afghanistan since the United States came in, this is the third to be bitterly disputed. Abdullah has been at the center of all three. So now it's Abdullah, 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 Abdullah. The Afghan government is supposed to be preparing for peace talks following the ceasefire negotiations between the United States and the Taliban. They will now face a delay because who's going to represent the Afghan government? Hani was declared the winner by a margin of 12,000 votes, above the minimum 50% required. Abdullah's team has disputed about 15 percent of the total vote. They accuse Ghani of pressuring the Election Commission to rush the process of auditing the questionable votes, making sure he begins his second tour in office before progress and peace talks shifts the conversation to power sharing with the Taliban. Ghani's advisor said the election needed to be brought to a conclusion so that a government with a clear mandate could lead the talks with the Taliban. If we'd accepted the results of fraud as expediency, it would have been the funeral of democracy in this country, said Abdullah. Or, should I say, half-president Abdullah. A messy ending, perhaps, to America's longest war. And now, finally... Clean, safe, too
2: cheap to meet. save safe, too cheap to meet. Cheap, safe.
0: Department of Energy is pack peddling, according to the Tri-City Herald of Washington, on moving highly radioactive capsules to safer storage at the Hanford nuclear facility anytime soon. The DOE released a report this week detailing the highest priorities on environmental cleanup. At Hanford, the focus is going to be on starting to treat waste at the $17 billion vitrification plant under construction oh since 2002 the report gives short shrift to most other work at hanford including moving radioactive capsules at risk in a severe earthquake and cleaning up a highly re- radioactive spill under a building a mile north of richland washington the report may also signal a decreased commitment to cleanup of contaminated groundwater flowing towards the columbia river where your your salmon go to do their thing. The Trump administration's budget proposal for Hanford for the next fiscal year proposes dramatic cuts to most cleanup work at Hanford other than managing the 56 million gallons of radioactive waste held in underground tanks and starting to treat it for disposal. The report from the DOE seems to indicate is more than a protracted year of delays. So uh, if you want to go camping at Hanford... Put those plans on hold for just a little while longer, won't you? Because it's clean, cheap, too safe to meet her, our friend the Atom. ladies and gentlemen I don't know about you I'm going to be self-isolating for the next little while in Los Angeles where self-isolating has always been a way of life but uh, just in case you're looking for entertainment alternatives to going outside and getting sick the Harry Shearer channel on YouTube will be filling up with stuff for you to watch and maybe enjoy including some excerpts from the recent Derek Smalls Concert, Lukewarm Water Live, with a bunch of uh, people whose names you'd recognize, as well as a symphony orchestra that you won't recognize, and some live music sessions by uh, some other folks I think you'll like to watch. The Harry Shearer channel at youtube.com. Also, there are some found objects from the recent past, and the television series Nixon's the One, featuring heretofore. Unpublic conversations from the tapes at the Nixon White House. It'll keep you from going crazy, maybe, or help you. Anyway, that's it for this week's edition of The Show. The program returns next week at the same time, like, like this one, probably extruded through the decreasingly wide logic of possibility and available on these radio stations as well as these audio devices of choice. And it'd be just like a miracle if you'd agree to join with me then. Would you already thank you? You know, a miracle like the virus going away in April. Uh, thank you very much. Uh-huh. A tip of the Show Chapeau to the San Diego desk for help with today's broadcast. Pam Halstead and Thomas Walsh at wwno In New Orleans, The Show originates from the f- facilities of WWNO-New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from Sydney, Australia.